0: hello welcome back everyone i'm alex i'm ian and you're listening to the win lose Watchlist podcast the show where we have curated the top 250 movies bottom 250 movies and anything in between and we choose one movie at random every episode leaving our own sanity to fate ian yeah how you doing
1: i'm doing all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing pretty good still quarantining we're doing it. Yes. Zoom now, so I can see your face. So that's- I know
0: <laughs> this. Uh, that's this new. video, this, this this podcast, actually will be available available on video nowhere. Um, it's only going to be audio still, but we get to see each other, which will will have some added benefit for you, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you, the listener. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been well. Still quarantining. I've been working from home, going nuts. I've had a pretty busy week actually, and somehow throughout my busy week, I've managed to watch four different movies. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I watched four different Ingmar Bergman films this week. Oh, really? They in all of be- this episode. Wow. I watched... The first one I watched was Cries and Whispers. That was a later one of his. I watched Wild Strab- Strawberries, which came out the same year as The Seventh Seal, which we'll be talking about. Uh, I watched Winter Light, which Paul Schrader drew a lot of influence from for First Reformed, which is another one of my favorite movies. Uh, and then finally ended up watching The Seventh Seal.
1: Are a lot of them existential and like religious theme is that common
0: yeah well i'll probably get back i'll probably get into that in a bit I okay to take a second because i my i think i said last episode my knowledge of Ingmar Bergman. i've seen persona and The seven seal before and that's really it but I've, i know a lot about him so i wanted to take this week from the last episode to really learn a lot more of his films and the man's made like 60 films so <laughs> watching like four of them is not a huge dive into him, but yeah. it's enough of one to start to see what makes one of his movies and what doesn't. But in short, a lot of them are very existential, religious, personal. There's a lot of things being balanced in a lot of them. And we'll get into that later, but yeah. have you watched anything?
1: Uh, no, I, I watched, I watched Tiger King. Oh, uh, <laughs> I watched, which that's, wild have you watched any of it
0: i haven't watched any tiger king i um tend to be pretty anti whatever the popular thing is because i'm a contrarian it's meat. it's worth it so it's really i've, I've thought about what, be watching it uh my girlfriend really doesn't want to watch it because uh it seems like there's a lot of animal abuse and that would that like doesn't jive well with her it's
1: and also the you're, fact you're that it not, doesn't seem like there's any
0: redeemable characters
1: yeah there isn't <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's fascinating hard to me because i feel like normally uh video like documentary series or just document like true crime documentary series usually mm. there's like they have some documents that they show on screen there's a lot of interviews there but like it's a lot of people telling stories about what happened maybe some of them might do like a reenactment or just get like random b-roll but this guy just filmed everything so it's like a true ki- crime documentary but like in real time cuz they got all that footage cuz he just filmed everything anyway so it's like it's weird it feels like it's it's a true crime documentary but it feels like a reality show at times because of how much he filmed
0: that might be pretty that i'll i'll probably end up checking it out at some point with it even if it's on my own uh i did speaking of reality i also was watching uh parts of love is blind which, yeah oh that's absolute garbage <laughs> that's yeah. absolute garbage and i loved it
1: yeah I, I haven't watched that i watched this i love the circle and that just seems like really bad the circle like it ruins what's good about the circle
0: yeah it take the first two episodes are like the circle and then it just kind of like loses that beyond it but it, the thing about those reality love shows is they try to portray it like it's like actually love when it is kind of like yeah, messed up a experiment it is and it leaned more into the punch of being like we're psychologically torturing these people to fall in love i think it might be a lot more fun
1: yeah, because I know that like some of them, like it's like after like a single day, they're saying, I love you and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, however,
0: Each. it won't play to the audience that it typically plays for because like, yeah. I'm not the target audience for those shows, but I'd yeah. be really funny if that's what it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, um, I haven't watched much of anything else. I, I watched, I tried that show un- under the uh, Tales from the Loop. Uh, they, i talked about i think last episode is it on it's on amazon it's uh, it's different than i thought it would be they're based it's like a, it's based on paintings that this <laughs> guy did by this one painter um but they, it's like stranger things but more adult and a lot trippier like gotcha. it's more mind and it's like it's like x or x files are like uh the tw- it's like the twilight zone where it's like a different story every episode but it's yeah. all people that live in the same town and like there's like, some reoccurring characters that overlap and stuff it's pretty cool
0: though that sounds good that sounds uh neat a, a quick aside i do think it's funny that uh any anthology any sort of semi-trippy anthology show at this point is just like it's like the twilight zone but <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's and, and it's soon gonna be like oh it's like black mirror but yeah,
1: yeah it's like black mirror but
0: <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Uh, It's been a relatively eventful watching experience for the past week for the both of us. Yeah. Uh, So I'm thinking it's going to be best because my main reason for watching a bunch of Bergman films was to be able to sort of talk about the man himself, Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. Uh, I know in the past we've talked about separating the art from the artist and how it's kind of hard. And I think Ingmar Bergman, for a much less dark reason, is one that is very hard to separate the art from the artist from because all of his films feel so personal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about them. but like. Yeah,
0: it, well, I guess you don't know. You've only. But seen you the can still season. feel it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how much I think, I just from like the Google, so I could look at the cast
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, of this movie. I saw that it. I think is it based on a play. It's so based
0: on a play. It's blip, the, so the Seventh Seal is based on a one-act play that Ingmar Bergman wrote. Oh, I didn't know he wrote this. the play, too. Yeah, okay. he wrote yeah. the play as well. And the play, I believe, I think I watched some guy talk about it, some film historian talk about it on the Cartoon Channel. He said the play originally was based around the Squire character, which Bergman led himself to, he, he thought that he was more like the Squire character. That's like, yeah. when you write characters, you uh, you ultimately have...
1: One that's most like you, yeah.
0: Right, and he based it more on the Squire, and I think that when he rewrote it, he found that the more interesting story to tell was the one of the night. But to talk about his films in general, so I kind of went through, I, I looked at Letterboxd and I was like, okay, what are the top rated ones? Like, what are the things that I should have seen but have not? You know, and most of his films clock in at around like an hour and a half. So it just makes for a quick, it's a, it's a quick, very thoughtful watch.
1: Should be quick. You know? Yeah, it should be <laughs> quick. <laughs> or you could be like me where it takes like double the run time to watch this movie because you're pausing it and like yeah. thinking about stuff and writing stuff down.
0: So, in a, so common themes there are a lot of his, and this is more in the earlier films I've noticed, that you get a lot of very stilted dialogue. So you get these characters that speak very... Like in literature terms, in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: They, there's a lot of monologues, like yeah. really long monologues. And so that feels very play.
0: And, and, a, and a common criticism of him from the Swedes were that they just didn't like the way that people talked in his movies. And they're like, the reason you foreigners like his movies so much is because you're reading the subtitles, you're not hearing them talk.
1: Oh really? Shilleded language, yeah. I thought it sounded once- like I didn't, I didn't, I haven't like watched many Swedish films. and I don't hear that language often, mm-hmm. and I, I thought it was interesting watching it. Like it's a beautiful sounding language, language at time, and like I felt like he used the language well. Like and the translation, like some of the writing, I thought was I liked it. So. yeah
0: uh we t- uh me and my girlfriend we'd refer to a lot of swedish talk as hersty bursty because of the swedish chef and uh this was his least Hirsty bursty film out of all there's some of the like i think in wild strawberries like it was like boy this just sounds like a. Ridiculous uh, the, the, the
1: accents are more <laughs> yeah. like yeah strong because it was kind of hard to tell that it was swedish but like there yeah. it's dialed down a bit but.
0: but the uh his films he often writes a lot of himself into every one of his characters. Um, and he'll often use, he'll take a small amount of characters and use his story through those characters and having them mm-hmm. interact in different situations to kind of have this, It's it, it acts as an essay film in a way where you take all of these ideals of characters to position Commun- them against each other and communicate yeah. those ideals to each other and have these sort of arguments that you may have internally.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I love that. That's that's what I liked about this movie is I know it's like, it like it's how i like any the scripts that i do write, and i'm like when i do write stuff it's a lot of the same like technique of writing mm-hmm. where i usually am writing like i have a project where it's like each character is a different aspect of, of arguments that i'm having with myself and stuff. Yeah. so like i could feel that and relate to it
0: and there's definitely a look to his films as well like he has a way of framing pictures and characters within the picture in a really dynamic way yeah um he also, and this was in more so in Winter Light than any other movie, Winterlight Light and The Seven Seal. a uh, man makes Jesus look like he's in a lot of pain.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, he did.
0: Like, the, and I, I'm not trying to sound sacrilegious or anything. This is literally how it looks across in the movie, because I think in a lot of Christian art, you see Jesus very glorified for the sacrifice. Yeah, In these films, it looks like he's in a lot of pain and suffering whenever yeah. he's shot, whether it be behind Antonius in The Seventh Seal or with the main priest character in Winter Light. You see just this really just suffering man up there, Yeah, which adds a lot to a photo.
1: It does. That's, that's a good I point. Do
0: think, uh, it's pro- oh. I do think right now it's probably going to be a good idea to say that this episode will probably get into some religious talk probably mostly on the christianity side or at least
1: yeah my i've definitely have a lot to say that it's about death and like it's pretty existential the film is mm -hmm. existential so it's going to be hard not to get existential ourselves and
0: and there's going to be a lot of existential existential talk so if you're very prone to existential panic or something like that listen forward that don't listen forward the different show notes will tell you where to go if you don't if that's not your jam to listen to and if you just want to find out what we're watching next week yeah but i think it's going to be a great discussion uh another thing about ingmar bergman is that he was brought up in a stereotypical christian household okay that makes sense yeah that the sort of like this is x y and z you do x and the whole religion thing and Mm -hmm. as he grew older he sort of in a sense grew out of that and grew more into the spiritual sense of things that you see in the movie and a lot of his earlier films rather like around the time of the 70s not earlier that's his middle sort of films i would say but around that time it seems it becomes a lot more inquisitive of religion versus spirituality
1: yeah and and i think that's where i related to it a lot like i'm but it's weird because a lot of that's a common story for like if christians go through like a deconstruction phase they like there's also reconstruction where you're like figuring out where just the spiritual like truths are in the religion that you've just deconstructed mm-hmm. and that's the reconstruction phase i did a weird thing where i went through the deconstruction phase but from a starting point of atheism mm-hmm. and so then i ended up like i but now I'm like way more spiritual but I like look at like all different types of spiritual traditions and try to find the truths that feel intuitively true to me yeah uh, but not necessarily like sticking to any one dogmatic religion so like there was a lot of like themes in this that definitely resonate a lot with me and I might get a bit more in like i might talk a bit more about that stuff than i would on the normal episode so yeah there's another warning and
0: and even myself like i i'm sort of the opposite like i, I guess maybe not opposite but inverse in a way of you where it's i grew up in a very dogmatic uh life where like christianity was the religion you yada, do yada, yada. yeah and since then i've become much more critical of that but it's hard to say one way or another what i do and don't believe because yeah so, little answers out there. And I think that this film, being the Seventh Seal, uh, does tackle that really well. Yeah. And a lot of Ingmar Mergens' films do. I know I have to keep saying that. Uh, Cries and Whispers, which I had watched, it, it's a lot less religious mm-hmm. and it's more sort of about family drama. Whereas Wild Strawberries is a man growing old and approaching death and approaching the end of his life. Uh, you have Winter Light, which is about a freaking priest uh questioning the dogma of his own religion, and then you have this movie which is confronting death, yeah, and, and trying to figure out, well, I'm at, I'm at, I'm, I'm almost at the end, did I believe the right thing, right?
1: Yeah, there was and, definitely a, a whole lot of that in this. Um, are we. Do you want to go in more specifically into...
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be best to hop into the 17. Do you have any questions regarding the old Bergmeister iceberg? When did he die? Uh, I think know? it was the early 2000s. I, I could look it up. but Okay, I, I
1: just didn't, yeah. Okay. It's, okay. it's semi,
0: it's like, I want, I want to say like 2009 would be my guess.
1: Very interesting. I hope with how much he made art about dying that his process of dying was... uh mindful like he uh, like stuck to whatever he believed or didn't yeah. either way yeah. it's interesting yeah. if you it like was
0: 2007 he passed away by the way i just looked it up but yeah yeah it's 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 relatively and something kind of funny about him actually before i want to do a quick aside he had moved to uh faro i'm probably pronouncing it on faro island on, in sweden and it's often referred to as bergman island because he just kind of lived there and filmed all of his movies there yeah. From like a certain point onwards. So like <laughs> a lot of his movies, when they're shot outside, they do have a very certain look to them because they're a very similar spot on this
1: island. Is it, So this one was filmed there?
0: Uh, I'm sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. It did seem like it was in, an interesting setting because like there was a town nearby. People were moving around it in this movie, mm-hmm. like the setting of this movie. But you never really see town-like areas. Yeah, like- well,
0: actually, so not to um actually you but
1: it's okay only
0: three scenes of this film were shot not on a set really yeah you have so we're going to talk about the seventh seal now there's no spoilers of this like if you think that there's spoilers i don't know just go watch it it's on youtube it's an hour and a half go watch it and come on youtube yeah i just looked it up actually you can watch it on youtube for free (laughs) Uh, or you can get the criterion channel which is an awesome subscription service and we're not sponsored by them but if you want to sponsor us Yeah, that's a great channel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into it. So the seventh seal, there were only three outside locations. You have the first, the opening scene where he's on the beach. Yeah. And the old death dude greets him. Mm -hmm. That's an outside location. You have the scene where Antonius first meets the actors on the hillside and they're eating strawberries together. Yeah. That's an outside location. And then the final scene where they're doing the dance with death to you know die. yeah like on the hill yeah <laughs> on the, the hill that's outside and those are the only non set shots like the sets are often like outside but they're blocking a bunch of stuff with these props i kind
1: of see that and i, I kind of like notice that like around his, around like their tent and caravan and all their stuff like there's a lot of peering through bushes that look conveniently placed
0: yeah but it it looks timeless it does, like, it does it looks like you're watching it's, it looks like you're like wait. When did the Crusades happen again? Like, was that was that able to be shot in 1960?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it's it's I, I I haven't watched very many. I mean, I've I, I watched black and white films, but I've never I never watched like black and white films that are also take place in an older time. Yeah, I watch like Jerry Lewis movies or something. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's weird. A bit-
0: it's a bit weird to go back and watch. Like, you have to like, sort of transfer here. Like, okay, so I'm in the mindset of somebody in the 1960s watching a movie about the 1400s. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and it's not even, so it's like, I'm watching that while also under the context of this an entirely different culture. Like mm-hmm. you're watching a Swedish film. So like there are things that are like, okay, I got to kind of get into this. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's an ultimately universal film because it's, if you haven't watched and you're still here, it's a film about confronting death. Yeah. You
1: know. Really to me it mostly it most resembled like the Transformers movies to me. Like for <laughs> yeah. the action pack, there's a lot of like a lot of big robots weirdly. It was yeah, when
0: Death pulled out the AK 47, I just knew it was Game Over I... <laughs> 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 No, but uh <laughs> it's so so actually this movie is where you get a lot of the modern day sort of Grim Reaper um tropes from. Oh yeah, like the right?
1: Really? They like uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's pretty like old for like personifying death. Mm-hmm. Uh
0: that this so Ingmar Bergman sort of got the idea from a painter who painted paintings of death challenging people in games and you mm-hmm. see this painter characterized in the movie. Like that's actually like yeah, he's I mean, credited as the real painter. Like that's that tr- a, he's supposed to be credited as a real life painter. So yeah. that was the influence for that and this is the, sort of the first time in on film and moving picture that you see a personified death so like
1: the, yeah because i mean even in the film he talks about that that's like he's like are you good at chess and he's like how'd you know and he's like i i it's like in fables not fables i don't know what he's seen some pictures like, or something yeah he's like legends and stuff so like that's the idea has been around but just never adapted to film yes
0: like yeah, yeah and, and i'm sure as soon as i said that it was a common trope, you have a few things pop into your head, like you're like, oh yeah, like th- the first couple that I think of are like oddly enough, the Grim Adventures of and Man. <laughs> that was the first I thing thought I thought of. Was- <laughs> um I-, I also think of the Devil Went Down to Georgia, the song. Yeah, the song playing the devil in a fiddle match for the soul. But yeah. this is the only not I maybe mean, not the only time, but this is the main time in that trope that I think you ultimately see the person lose to death because it's yeah. the only one that's not it's not playing it's playing it straight like it's like you can't yeah it's, it's, it's not
1: trying to be like you can just like beat death it's saying death is inevitable and how do you react to that
0: yeah death I, will pull out all stops to beat you
1: yeah there's also there's a lot of weird uh pretty good themes for right now as well as like social distancing and the plague going around. (laughs) Like there's a social distancing scene where they make that guy that has the plague stand like away (laughs) and she won't give him water. That could happen. We're we're headed there.
0: (laughs) I think since I think since our Pianist episode, we've related every single movie we've watched to the coronavirus. Yeah, whether,
1: whether that's from the movie or just our projections, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> this one, I mean, it was a plague. so that no, does... th- This one
0: is probably the most legitimate of all yeah. comparisons because it's like anytime you're faced with a moment where you have to confront death, like this is going to be the movie to go to. I do think a lot of, I, I really like a lot of the dialogue in this film. Me too. Oh,
1: I wrote. I quote. That's part of the reason it took me so long is I like literally wrote down the quotes because they were uh, interesting. Humor. There's some
0: incredible quotes, and so much. So many of the conversations with death, with death, are so cheeky, but yeah. also so smart and profound that it's great. And the way death looks, he just looks so menacing and ominous. Yeah,
1: and the the uh, the character. It was the characters were so like. It was so much deeper than I expected them to be, especially mm. the main character. What's his name? I read it down. Antonius. Yeah, Antonius. Uh, but, like, I I just really like the way that they approach his character's relationship to death and, like, questioning the faith. I mean, obviously, it's it feels like it's the theme of the entire movie just projected through him, like, really intensely. Yeah. But, but
0: even then, it's a lot of the other characters as well. So many of the other characters have such defined traits that – you feel like they're often battling each other like you have just even between the squire and the knight like the squire has such a negative and pessimistic view towards the world like towards death and religion compared to antonius's sort of yeah wonder towards it well
1: now that he's confronted with its inevitability kind of Mm -hmm. uh i feel like that's like through the entire film we're seeing a character that's a little different than he has been his entire life like Mm -hmm. because he's what you notice him like looking at his hand and with new appreciation he's hit with this like gratitude bomb because he knows he's gonna die and that's where like my like inner philosophy nerd can come in and talk about like stoic philosophy where it's like memento mori remember death and the idea for that being uh like if you know you're gonna die like live live every moment like it could be or last but not in like that that sounds very cliche and stuff and it it can also be seen as like a call to decadence like uh Mm -hmm. it's like everything's miserable because we're gonna die but he sees it where it's just like a burst of like it wakes him up to the vibrancy of the world life Mm -hmm. so like it's i don't know it's very interesting
0: it's it's very it it is very interesting uh to to get more on the the Bergman, the artist side of things, when he wrote the characters, mainly, I believe, between the Squire and the Knight, he was at a crossroads with his own dogmatic beliefs, right? Mm. And he really wanted to make a film where he just sort of pits those two ideals against each other.
1: Yeah. Sort of I definitely not see saw who comes that. out on
0: top, but um, it's not entirely a fair fight. <laughs> I think yeah. he could see a lot more of the...
1: Which one pushed uh, through
0: Yeah, the less dogmatic beliefs kind of pushing through. But it's... That, that's what a lot of the film hinges on in it it's very good and there's also it's a critique of dogmatic religion as well like mm-hmm. a, a scene that really popped out to me this time watching because i'd i'd seen this one before I are we watching a scene that popped out to me is when the actor is in i think his name's joff is in the tavern and he finally is caught for sort of helping out his friend who's seeing a local man's wife yeah and they start like bullying this poor man yeah. and making him dance and shout at him on the thing. And it's like, there's you have these people that have these harsh dogmatic beliefs of Christ, right? Yeah. And they see someone who's an outcast, which Jesus Christ was believed to be.
1: Yeah, it's us and, versus them. If you're not right. in, you're out, no matter yeah. what. If you're not in this group, you're out. It's,
0: and it's, it's criticizing, like, look at what these people would do to some, like if a Jesus Christ was around in that time period. Or even today, yeah. yeah, like that they have this belief in like, oh, you need to be kind to everyone, you need to love your fellow man. But then, as soon as there's a reason and sort of pack mentality, you yeah. go for it. And you see that, and there's you know, in the way that he frames, and where I get this from is that the way that he, that Bergman frames the actor sort of dancing, it looks a lot like the way that he frames the pictures of Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, and you see just the the suffering Jesus uh, mm-hmm.
1: injury throughout his film. Yeah, I, I definitely like from the personal like religious uh, like look at it. I definitely see it as like a critique of that. I don't think the cores of this religion are wrong. It's the people. It's the how people are taking it and like breaking it down and simplifying it into literalism and just binary like groupthink. Uh, ways of acting and stuff but yeah I don't know it's it gets pretty existential and yeah. uh, <laughs> I can I just, like
0: oh sorry go on
1: I was just saying like it's happens when you like break it down and I don't know I don't no <laughs> good you go yes. and
0: I I I just love the personification of death. And it sounds like I'm all over the place talking about this movie, but there's so much to talk about. I
1: there is. I have a lot. <laughs> and
0: I love the personification of death in this film. I think it's so interesting. I've said it already. I also, I, I really do love the scene where he starts cutting down the tree that where death starts cutting down the tree that the actor is in the other actor. Yeah. And it's like, it plays out like a Looney Tunes scene where it's like, your time is up. He's like, Oh, I've got a show. Yeah. Cancelled due to death. <laughs> that was a relatively funny scene and and otherwise yeah there's
1: little bits of like humor in the way that this would be humor it's like dark humor and it's it was i really like that i just really like the topic of death in an existential way because i feel like we distract ourselves from it basically 24 7 and i actually had that thought i feel like earlier than like they throw it at you yeah isn't stupid but uh, i mean i sound like an arrogant person but uh (laughs) like i think there it's like we distract ourselves from death 24-7 but I feel like there is a way to relate to and come to terms with the fact that everyone dies in a healthy way that mm-hmm. the, if you're confronted with and I like that this movie kind of like forces you to pay attention to that and re- forces you to remind you of the fact that of this existential fear that everyone has and because I feel like Like I had that thought, and then during the movie, one of the characters, like right after I had it, literally says that he's uh, (laughs) he says um, during like he has the confession, his like confession scene to like. Yes. Okay. I was literally just about to
0: ask you was it during the confession scene where he thinks he's talking to the priest and is actually dead? It's actually dead. Because the first time that I watched the film, that's when I had that too. Because I was like, "Holy crap! Okay, I get this now. Like, I'm on board with this movie. I understand." What is and that's like it in my memory, that scene was very early on, or that scene was very later in the film. But like yeah. rewatching it, like it's like around like the 20 minute mark. Yeah. But I, in my memory, like I thought it was like way later in the film, but for some reason it's at the very beginning. And it's it's kind of and it, and it works on so many different levels because you have the questioning of dogma, you have death saying, I'm going to pull out all stops to trick you in this chess match. Yeah. He's conceit he's conniving and tells him, Hey. I'm. What are you? What are you planning to do against this death fella in this chess match?
1: Yeah, I think that's the scene that really grabbed me in this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like with the depth of like that character and stuff. And you said that some people criticized like the dialogue and stuff and like, but like his like model. I just just a few of the quotes because there's way too many. I wrote down. uh, Like the, it starts with, I want to confess as best I can, but my heart is empty. The emptiness is a mirror in which I see my own face and it fills me with loathing and horror. My indifference to my fellow man has cut me off. I live now in a world of phantoms, a prisoner of my dreams. <laughs> so, <laughs> this I, is pretty did, emo. <laughs> it's
0: pretty emo. I, I actually had a thought between this because I was, or in, like throughout this, I was like, man, a lot of this dialogue is very genius. And then I had the following thought. It's like, if you took a snippet, of any of these quotes and put it in front of a picture of the joker uh i wouldn't be able to tell you it was from this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> but like
1: i mean I, I think the big thing that i got out of like the overall theme of death and like uh it really that maybe i just projected onto it is that it's not about knowing it's about like coming to terms with your perpetual unknowing
0: mm-hmm. and, and you get that in the very not the very final but the second last scene where this he goes to take i think it's like the seven people or six people away and each of them has a different reaction with it like yeah two, yeah death.
1: yeah it's it's about like finding like it's a beautiful transformation in a way that comes to term with it comes to terms with like your perpetual un, like unknowing and you can kind of come at peace with that and i feel like that that's what faith is is not it doesn't have to it's not
0: uh faith faith I, and maybe i'm misinterpreting what you're saying but faith is making yourself comfortable with the unknowing
1: yeah that's what i was saying it's like yeah. exactly what faith is it's the difference between theology and epistemology uh, epistemology uh yeah and it's just like I don't know. Yeah, I, I I really like that discussion and kind of forcing you to have it and the different like. I like the way it hits him with like that gratitude bomb. There's that scene that you mentioned where they all have the like meal on the hill, mm-hmm. uh, and I just like absolutely love that. Where like, first of all, that's when she's she says what does she say? It's something about uh. She says they won't. Love is the blackest of plagues. <laughs> or someone says that. <laughs> that's pretty good. You, you can
0: throw it on top of a joker a picture of the joker and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between this movie and uh, oh no
1: that's the two guys in the bar the uh squire which why does the squire yeah. look older than the than his, the guy yeah, he's the
0: serving. squire looks
1: old <laughs> <He's> way <laughs> older than the guy he's serving um and he's like i'm a young man he says that at one point i'm like are you uh <laughs> But he says, "If everything is imperfect in this imperfect okay. world, and if if everything is imperfect in this imperfect world, life is perfect. Love is perfect in its perfect imperfection, <laughs> and that's beautiful too. If I hadn't messed it up, uh, yeah, you you wouldn't have been well as an
0: actor on this movie.
1: Yeah, but uh,
0: I, yeah, I do want to oh, go, go ahead. On. Oh, so I do want to go back on something I had said that this is the only movie where." sort of death comes out on top and nobody wins right yeah like nobody can beat death i am sort of wrong in that statement because i was thinking back on it and then that last scene of chess that antonius is playing with death he manages to signal to the actor and his wife to be like go like <laughs> death gonna be getting you you need to go right now and there's sort of a cheeky line where he's like i am inescapable and they're like we need to escape and they managed the actor and his wife managed to escape death by leaving Antonius because death comes and sweeps up. And but it happens and anyway true. And it'll end up happening.
1: Oh yeah, I cool. guess you but yeah, but and that's what I'm saying. Like you don't yeah. know that death is coming for them yet. It wasn't their time. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that they escaped it, they just it wasn't their time. Right, but
0: at least the way that the movie presents it is the idea of them saying we escaped, coupled with yeah. saying I am inescapable. I I will always be there. It, it, you do get the idea that they had escape death even if eventually they will obviously find death
1: yeah oh but yeah and that scene with where they're having the meal on the side of the hill you can see that he was hit he's hit with his gratitude bomb and he starts while they're eating he like goes into like gratitude for like the milk and stuff where i found it really interesting because i saw that as he's basically Uh, not as he's just like practicing gratitude but he's he's giving he's saying grace without the dogma attached yeah he's it's it's real grace it's not like it's it's not saying it for the sake of saying it because you're told to say it and you're Mm -hmm. told to pray and you're told to be thankful he's literally like he sees the vibrancy because he knows he's going to die and i think that is the origin of grace and then we build a lot on top of it
0: yeah so you also have that coupled with as soon as he has that grace he goes and plays i believe his second scene of chess with death yeah I think it's the second scene, and it, he ends up. It, the The whole point of the move is that I think his knight gets taken, and he ends up getting Death's Queen or something, and getting check in the match. Yeah, you know, and you have this moment of intense grace, coupled alongside a, an astounding move of him sort of tricking Death in a way, but not really because Death proved himself to be all knowing. But yeah, then he Death, believes like- is tricking Death in this sense of immense grace yeah and but, it, it's a it's very it's very paralleled together
1: yeah and then death switches it back on him by like talking about the the guy and the dude and his wife that they yeah. just had lunch on the hill with like threatens them. <laughs> but yeah
0: there's yeah, so a, a lot of the chess scene like i think there's four chess scenes maybe there's three um i think you have the opening chess scene where death chooses black and then the, uh, they start their match. Uh, and I believe you had the second chess scene, which is the one I just talked about. And then the third chess scene is where uh, Antonius is really just really trying to prolong his stay on the planet, you know? like Yeah. Bored. And that's like, that's where the movie gets like entirely existential for me. Like the beginning part of it kind of feels like a fun little romp you know in a way like oh everyone's just kind of having their own time like yeah that's oh, not the right word to use but but it's you're like,
1: like it's an, it's an interesting, interesting premise and like yeah. that it was like fascinating but not as heavy hitting
0: and then when you have him trying to mess up the board and like just no i got it i remember where they were yeah and, uh you have him ultimately losing it's like you're gonna get made in one more turn it's like i'm gonna come for you i'm gonna i'm gonna get you that's when the movie really feels hard hitting
1: yeah yeah where the
0: final scene where they're praying where he's praying with his wife over dinner and you immediately see everyone just sort of draw their attention to death rather than the prayer
1: yeah yeah i know oh god i love the the mute girl uh that like doesn't talk until the very she's with them at Mm -hmm. the end and she's keeps like looking back at the door and stuff where the one
0: that uh the squire had saved from getting i believe she was about to get raped
1: yeah there's a lot of, like, subtlety in her, like, performance. There, like, where she doesn't say anything. She does say something. She has one line at the very end. I forget what it is. It's, like, it's, time, it's over it, now. It is, it is done. It is really done. Yeah. Uh, but, like, before that, even just in her, like, face, that actress, like, shows, like, so well just being in awe of death rather than afraid of it or, like... I don't know. It's it's. It, there's something like beautiful about it, where it feels like she's both in awe and terrified of death, walking in the room, and all, and just it's all struck by its beauty too, and like is has come to terms with it, and is just like she literally gets on her knees, and is just like done fighting while everyone mm. else keeps standing and stuff. I really like that.
0: Which uh, I was just looking at that she's a so maybe not a go to for berkman but she's in a good amount of his other films so i mean her acting chops have definitely showed in showing that sort yeah. of existential, i guess completeness yeah you know? yeah
1: yeah uh I i'm really wanna...
0: glad or I, i'm really glad that you liked the movie and the movie touched you in a way i was wondering how this would hit with you i know that you're a very sort of philosophical kind of chap. yeah and i figured it was going to hit with you on some level but i was wondering if it would be the home run that it would be I loved it I was it <laughs> like
1: it, it was exactly what I like it's it was exactly my cup of tea yeah. uh especially philosophical... now like now that I like am so interested in these ideas and like the whole process of like deconstruction actually thinking about these bigger topics mm-hmm. that no one ever thinks about because we just like to like avoid these things we go from like nothing conversation to nothing conversation and then once we're actually at our deathbed, that's when we have to actually face all these things. Yeah. So I like having to deal with a little bit earlier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get the idea of just kind of thinking about it, and it's yeah. And this movie really does make you look at it and be like, "What do you think about death?" You know, and yeah. not in like an edgy sort of teenager kind of way, but in a way that really just makes you kind of stare in the eyes and be like, "What do you believe?" Not that there's a correct belief or an incorrect belief. What is your coping mechanism?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like and and I just really liked the main character's perspective on it. I mean, I was I'm a little bit less interested lately in just like trashing religion, and that's what I kind of <laughs> liked about this is that it didn't necessarily feel like that. Felt like yeah. this guy just having the heavy duty of questioning it and like it it, it asked questions about it but wasn't just like Oh, you you believe in God? Like it was how lame. Yeah, it was. Oh, it felt more about also his, 1950s, bro. Yeah, <laughs> but it did. It it felt more about his reconstruction than just deconstructing the religion. And that's yeah. what I'm very fascinated in. Like just his philosophy of it was. It's basically you can leave life at any minute. Uh, like so, let that determine what you do, say, and think. Yeah. And it's like, and it, but. I said, I said it at the beginning, but, like, it's not a call to decadence and to, like, being depressed about it and f- being fatalist. It's, like, whatever you are doing, do it like it's the last time you might be doing it. Yeah. If you're showering, treat it like th- it might be the last shower you ever have. So actually be present and feel the water and have some gratitude for it. And I feel like he's doing that through the entire film, and that's what, I, like, really resonated with me.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that a million percent and as far as like talking about this movie with you guys it's kind of very it's very difficult to talk about these sorts of movies with people and not necessarily because of the death aspect but because of the Bergman aspect because yeah. he's so high regarded in these sort of art house cinematic uh circles where the book is already sort of written on him and people yeah. when they talk about him don't necessarily talk about the movie but rather talk about the historical context of which i even i've done and i felt sort of guilty to that in the beginning of the show right and it's nice to have somebody talk about it that you you had no idea of what this movie was yeah the historical context of it was and you can watch it sort of just as a movie and watching historical films i kind of get into i like the history of cinema i think it's a very interesting thing right Mm -hmm. and it's sort of hard to distance that watching a movie and just sort of like taking it in as a piece of media and letting it hit you you know I think that's often lost on a lot of people. You have sort of just people looking at the grand scope of an artist's life, like how the thing was made, its effect on other films, its effect on other media. And you just, you lose sort of the discussion of, well, what do you think of this as a movie?
1: I have a good tie-in sort yeah. of like jesus christ uh, yeah they get yeah, they like locked follows. onto the facts about about that and p- p- like what's history what's true it's just not about proving what's true and untrue it's about an inner transformation now and his teachings still being applicable now instead of <laughs> like making it about it's about it how it moves you rather than the facts and that's my personal opinion <laughs> <laughs> but no it's these
0: movies and i was actually maybe not dreading talking about this movie, but I was wondering, I was like, how are we going to talk about this movie? Because I feel like the book's already written on it. Yeah. You know, but it's not because you were someone who just watched it knowing nothing about it and it hit you in an entirely different experience and you're able to experience it separated from a lot of that. Obviously the next Bergman movie you watch wouldn't be like that. Now that you have a bit of context with it, which kind of can be one way or another, but I mean, you'd still be able to enjoy it on its own. It's just interesting. I, I think a lot of film history can deter from the actual film itself
1: which is kind of the thing that we thought would be so fun about doing this podcast is that you're dragging me along a ride that I'm pretty much blind to what's coming up next. So I'm looking out the window, like that was an insane movie. And now I'm thinking about, that was an insane signpost. Now I'm thinking about death. (laughs) What's next? Oh, we're going to, we're we're turning on the radio and listening to Loquitia. This is a wild ride.
0: (laughs) Some real ups and downs. It's been a real uh, slow peak to the top.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
0: I, I really I'm really glad I got to revisit this movie. Uh when I first watched it, I kind of didn't get it entirely. Like I did get it, but I was like I was so taken aback by it that I wasn't able to sort of comprehend what I had just watched. Yeah, so I feel like I watched
1: this at the perfect time for me too.
0: Yeah. So being able to watch it and like sort of know what happened. Cause sometimes knowing what happens helps a lot more for watching a movie for me. Like I'm able to really take it in because sometimes I get so focused on like, where's this going? what's the next what's the next step where's this movie going and being able to sort of watch and have the outline I'm able to take it in in a different way and while I really enjoyed it the first time I think I just gave it five stars and I was like yeah this is incredible I don't know what to say about it yeah but now I feel like I have much more of a formulated opinion on the movie because I'm so less just blown back, blown back by it
1: yeah, I think this for this movie for me was just it was existential chess for someone <laughs> for, for someone uh, who is very existential and doesn't know how to play chess. <laughs> so I don't know how I've never won. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, if you look at the board a lot of times, I don't think Mark would really care about the chess match. You just, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't have to follow the match, happen. <laughs> but it is. I mean, you can, so if you go on the Criterion channel which you should if you're listening to this because it's incredible you can mm-hmm. find a lot of Ingmar Bergman's works there they have like 30 of his films and they ha- the Criterion Collection recently within the past year had released a blu-ray box set of like 25 of his films yeah. which is incredible that like a lot of like people just didn't have high resolution copies of so I think it's definitely worth you checking them checking some of them out even if it's like some of his higher like rated ones I don't remember Definitely I don't gonna, remember much of Persona. I actually really want to revisit Persona. I think it's from the list. Is, even. If, yeah, okay. Um, we would check that in the next segment. But I think it'd be really fun for you to go through that. I think you'd enjoy a lot of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. I'm definitely going to go through them. Um, I really like... I, I Like I said, I hadn't watched like movies like this old necessarily. I've seen a lot. I don't know. How old are, like, Jerry Lewis? I don't know. I have seen, uh, like, old movies, but I just don't often, like watch them and also definitely nothing that's going to be on the criteria like older
0: older art house movies art
1: house yeah it's like like about the art house aspect and there's a lot of cool things and it's also cool just watching movies from that time period knowing that i thought about how there's a couple cuts in the film that are pretty jarring like because because obviously the like resources 1966 it's i thought it's 50s or something but uh i think it is but um it's also it didn't matter. They didn't care because you can't rewind it in the theater. No one's gonna be like, yeah. "What was that?" And then rewind what it. What the heck was you that? Know. No one's gonna see that again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> was fifty-seven. You were right, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, but and, and that's the like I mistook it for a '60s film. Like, it just feels timeless when you're watching. It does.
1: This. It definitely did. Like, and it sounds. The music is also amazing in yeah. it. Not and only actually, the score, but like this like songs that they sing. And yeah, the song
0: like, that the actors sing with the
1: oh my god <laughs> that scene that was weird and then like yeah the actor was like there was a weird like picnic seduction scene where she was eating a chicken leg remember that <laughs> when the girl when the wife <laughs> seduces the other guy um but like and then there's some like deep that when they're the march that's going through uh, yeah the, that's uh, like
0: during the song yeah
1: where they're getting whipped there's like they do this like chanting that i when i heard it i was like yeah, that's the kind of scary baritone chant singing that bad things happen to. Yeah. And it's like Latin.
0: It's like Catholic Latin yeah. Christian songs.
1: It sounded <laughs> gnarly. Yeah. It, it sounded eerie. Like the, the score is awesome. There was a part when and, so the dropping, squire hits the guy in the eyes or like pokes out his eyes or something. And oh there's no God, yeah, yeah. There was no audio. There was no audio for like him hitting him or anything. And that was a little jarring. But still, yeah, that, but it's for that time, like, it's, it's hard
0: to show a lot of hyper violence at that time.
1: Yeah. Definitely
0: and get your stuff funded. Yeah. <laughs> that you could tell that he was attacked, but you don't really know how. But I I think it's just an incredible film. I'm really yeah. glad. I was wondering how it would hold up on a rewatch for me. Uh, it held up incredibly well. And I do also want to say if you're interested about sort of death as a character in a way, there's a great Lindsay Ellis YouTube video. She does a mini canon series, she does loose canon series in which she will take the way something is portrayed in media and We'll sort of go deep into it, and she does one on death personified, and it starts off sort of basing it around the Ingmar Bergman representation of death in this movie, The Seventh Seal. And I think it's worth a watch. Just type in like Lindsay Ellis, Loose Cannon, Death. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely watching. It's, it's a good, it's a good watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really don't have anything else to say about this movie. I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty much our wonders about it.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty. It speaks for itself. It's it's really good i it's not for i'd say it's not for everyone but it's pretty good like it holds up really well it's not boring yeah. i wasn't it's universal bored at any part like, of it. yeah i wasn't really bored like so absolutely especially like if you don't normally watch these type of movies like it's definitely a good one to ease yourself yeah. into this like like older films
0: yep absolutely five stars no looking back love
1: it five stars too it's one of my it's one of the favorites i've watched in a long time
0: Hell uh, yeah! That's what this is for. Watching the movies that will be your new favorites and your new most hateds. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the best segment to take us into. Oh, I'm so to take scared to our randomizer.
1: Like we've had some good movies lately, so I'm yeah, scared. we've been living high on the hog. <laughs> we high on the hog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the hog, hug, if you will.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, yeah,
0: I'm. I am so terrified of what's gonna come next. But like maybe more so I like I always sort of say I'm scared because we what's gonna be next, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is
0: the time I'm probably the most scared.
1: Anyone who uh, wants to see the list that we're randomizing, it's uh on our Twitter at win watch uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you it's the pinned tweet so you can look at the most current list and see what we're picking for the hat that we're picking from.
0: Yeah, and to to really signify what is win, lose and watch. Uh if it's a win, it means it's from the top 250 list on Letterboxd. Uh it's if it's a lose, it's on the anti 250, which are the bottom mm. 250 films on Letterboxd. And if it's watch list, it just means maybe we, maybe we want to rewatch it, it's something that one of us has seen and wants the other to see maybe or to just something we saw. Us have seen. Yeah, we're Take just children.
1: interested in.
0: So yeah. sort of to signify that. But uh, make sure while we're sort of stalling here to get the generator ready that you go and give us five stars on iTunes and write us a nice little review it helps us out a lot and we like it we don't have any advertisements to fill your ears yet so you just gotta listen to us show ourselves
1: yeah uh yeah please just it, it's the only thing that like really helps us starting out is to get on to uh get that uh, you have some reviews and uh
0: and and if you're at this point already hearing two dudes talk about a movie from the 1950s, go give us five stars. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> you, you made it this far.
1: We, if nothing else, we wasted the time before you die. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a little intense. Yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <sighs> so, do you have any hopes, dreams, wishes? Before,
1: yeah, I mean, I hit the button to make dreams, wishes, yeah, like a top two fifty would be nice again. <laughs> give would me you rather call.
0: start a game of uh, chess with death than roll a lose on the the? Oh gosh,
1: I, what if we get Persona? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. I don't Ugh. know if I'm gonna watch five more Ingmar Bregman films, but I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, you want me to run right. this bad boy?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'll do a drum roll if you want.
0: Yeah, hit me, hit, me with that, hit me with that nice little roll. And your number is... Engine. Number 172. 172. Number
1: 172 is the 2006 film by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, yes! The Fountain. <laughs>
0: We're doing good still. The Fountain.
1: It is from a watch list. Yours, I presume? Yeah, mine. Yeah. All right. I don't know anything about it, but I'm excited that it's not a bad movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, it, it, I think it's also going to be a little bit more existential as well.
1: I know the name Darren Ar- oh, Aronofsky. Uh, what else yeah. has he done?
0: Uh, he did Black Swan. Okay. He's done yeah. Mother. He's done the Jared Leto druggy movie that I can't remember. Okay the heck is the name of requiem for a dream
1: yeah yeah okay all right cool
0: so um, yeah that's that's a good gosh we're doing well something
1: good i'm we're doing really well it's gonna crash really well. hard i know <laughs> you can't have I'm a actually a peak without a like trough
0: like part of me is almost wanting to lose just to sort of like rip the band-aid off and be like well we gotta do it
1: yeah but I'm, or at kind. least like,
0: just for group suffering. But it's nice that uh, we get to watch this and sort of talk about it. Uh, yeah, we really do not know much about this. Like, it's another one of those that I've wanted to watch because I saw it on some YouTube thing where it's like, oh, that looks like an interesting movie. All right, and that's
1: cool. that. Let's go into it blind. Okay. Uh, you yeah. can check the description and it'll say where you can watch that film and also just other timestamps. Yeah, I, I think
0: uh, I don't think we have anything else to show, do we?
1: No, I think we're okay. All
0: right. Well, I will see you very shortly. And by very shortly, I mean the next episode. Yeah. and We will be entering your ear holes in the next episode.
1: All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.